Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. What's up, beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of Creative Habits Podcast. I'm Phil. And I'm Indigo. Today we're delving into the mysterious world of art, exploring the secret symbols and messages hidden in some of the most famous paintings of all time. Art is more than meets the eye, and these hidden gems add another layer to the canvas. Let's start with the iconic Mona Lisa by Leonardo da Vinci. Did you know there are theories about hidden codes and and symbols in her smile? What kind of secrets are we talking about? When we explore the smile of the Mona Lisa, we enter the realm of art and mathematics converging into a mysterious dance. Leonardo da Vinci, known for his multifaceted genius, was deeply interested in and the harmony of proportions and the golden ratio. Art historians speculate that da Vinci applied his mathematical prowess to the Mona Lisa's composition. The curvature of her smile, the alignment of her facial features. It's believed that these elements adhere to mathematical principles, creating a sense of balance and proportion. That captivates the observer. Imagine the Mona Lisa as a canvas where every stroke serves as a mathematical note, composing a symphony of aesthetics. Some theories even suggest that hidden within the subtle curves of her lips lies a symbolic code, a mathematical language that da Vinci embedded to intrigue and challenge the viewer's perception. So when we gaze upon the enigmatic smile, we're not just witnessing artistic brilliance. We're decoding a visual puzzle crafted with mathematical precision, unraveling the secrets of da Vinci left for us to ponder over the centuries. Mona Lisa's smile becomes more than just a subject. It transforms into a mathematical masterpiece, a secret code concealed within the brushstrokes of an artistic genius. Van Gogh's Starry Night Van Gogh's Starry Night is a profound exploration of the artist's inner world, transcending the mere depiction of a nocturnal landscape. As we delve into the swirling cosmos of this masterpiece, we found ourselves immersed in the tumultuous depths of Van Gogh's emotions. Philosophers of art suggest that Starry Night is a visual testament to Van Gogh's mental and emotional struggles. The turbulent, swirling patterns in the night sky are not just celestial bodies. They become a mirror reflecting the chaos within the artist's mind. It's as though Van Gogh painted his emotions onto the canvas, creating a visual symphony that resonates with the storm raging within him. The juxtaposition of the calm village below 
with the dynamic expression, expressive sky above adds layers to the narrative. The night traditionally associated with serenity becomes a conduit for Van Gogh to express the inner turbulence he experienced. It's a poignant reminder that art is often a deeply personal form of communication transcending the literal and delving into the emotional and psychological realms. So, when we gaze at Starry Night, we're not just witnessing a celestial uh, panorama. We're navigating the complex terrain of Van Gogh's psyche, where each brushstroke serves as a conduit for his emotions. The hidden message in this masterpiece invites us to emphasize with the artist's struggle, bringing the gap between the canvas and the human experience. It's a profound example of how art becomes a vessel for the artist's innermost thoughts and feelings, transcending the boundaries of time and space. It's amazing how artists use symbolism to convey personal experiences. Now, how about something a bit more surreal, like Salvador Dali's The Persistent of Memory? The Melting Clocks. Dali was a master of surrealism, and in this painting, the drop, drooping clocks are thought to symbolize the fluidity and relativity of time. It's like a vessel, a visual puzzle challenging your perception. Mind-bending. Speaking of puzzles, what about hieroglyphics and symbols in ancient art? Did they hide messages too? Certainly. When we unravel the mysterious, mis- when we unravel, excuse me, the mysteries of ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs, we embark on a journey into a world where symbols weren't just a form of communication. They were a profound expression of culture, spirituality, and beliefs. Picture the walls of an Egyptian temple adorned with intricate symbols, each carrying a specific meaning. Hieroglyphs were more than just a written language. They were a visual tapestry, a codified language that conveyed the stories of gods, pharaohs, and the afterlife. In Akins to, it, uh, excuse me, it akins to walking through a gallery where every symbol etched on the walls tells a tale, creating a living narrative frozen in time. The precision and artistry involved in crafting hieroglyphs were astounding. From the majestic depictions of pharaohs to the sacred symbols representing deities, each element contributed to a rich visual language that stood as a testament to the civilization's depth of understanding and reverence for the divine. What makes this ancient script even more intriguing is its longevity. Over millennia, hieroglyphs retained their significance and transcended the sands of time. The visual language created by the ancient Egyptians continues to captivate us today, 
serving as a key to unlock the secrets of a civilization that flourished along the banks of the Nile. In essence, when we explore ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs, we're decoding not just a language, but an entire worldview. It's a visual symphony that echoes the beliefs, rituals, and stories of a civilization that left an indelible mark on history. Hieroglyphs in their intricate beauty become a bridge connecting us to the spiritual and cultural tapestry of ancient Egypt, revealing a language that truly stood the test of time. It's like art was their way of communicating across generations. Now, let's fast forward to the 20th century. What about abstract art? Like Wasley, Kandinsky compositions? You ever heard of him? Yes, um, I just taught a lesson about that last week. Kandinsky was a pioneer in abstract art, and his compositions often reflect emotions and spirituality. Some believe there are hidden meanings in the colors and shapes, unlocking a personal journey of each viewer. Art truly is a universal language, isn't it? Before we wrap up, any final thoughts on your power of hidden messages in art? Hmm. Have you created anything with any hidden messages? I asked you the question first. Uh, no specific messages in general. When I um capture portraits, I use things like composition. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to lead the eye to certain spaces on the image. Mm-hmm. Um, but it depends on what I'm working on. How about you? Um, I do like to have a narrative-based approach to my work. And I also believe that most of what I'm doing conveys a story or tells a story. So, yeah, most often there are hidden messages, whereas if the observer is looking at the picture, they may not understand where it's stemming from. They can have their own interpretation of what the work is. However, like, I would have some sort of hidden meaning behind a piece that no one would know unless they asked me. Hmm. And it's not necessarily something that I'm hiding, but it's very difficult to interpret what I'm trying to say without being asked. But I like the duality of the viewer creating their own story and then the artist also having their own interpretation of what they intended to say. Now, do you um, think about the message before you paint it? Or do you paint it and then include the message inside the painting? I paint, and as I'm painting, I think about what it is that I want to say. So the painting that I did of you and Junior, the reason why I chose to do it in red is because of the bond that you have as father and son, your genetics. Mm. And the X's that I use as a background is the DNA. Mm. So it's like the constant DNA of having the bond of father and son. So red was a factor for family. The DNA little cross signs that I created was a representation of family. Somebody looking at the picture may assume, I got this before, that it was someone that was a barber um, 
cutting the child's hair. So they thought it was a barbershop setting and it mm. wasn't your child. But they were saying how it's, you know, Junior's used to the process of getting his hair cut by the way that you're holding his chin. Mm. However, my interpretation was that, yeah, I'm doing a piece about family and I'm also doing a piece about fatherhood, whereas you're on your journey as a, fa a, a parent, not necessarily knowing how to parent as a father, you know? Mm. And I felt that was very powerful to capture because of that story, but nobody would know that background, only what they assume they see if they don't know us. Mm. I love a good story in art, you know? Like, not obvious ones. Like, for example, if there's like a tragedy in the community or somebody is unalive by somebody else, a whole bunch of artists will use that motivation to create. That's kind of hacky to me. I think that artists should, you know, like what you were talking about, create from life experience or what they see within their own lives. I agree. And, and to an extent, I kind of felt like the day that Instagram existed is the day that art died. Because our access to other people's ideas and other people's ways of creating may subconsciously stunt our growth as an artist because we're constantly looking at other people and not really working from within. Mm -hmm. So it almost becomes a competition with what you're viewing versus what you actually feel. And you want to produce the things that are selling or produce the things that are popular, like a famous person, right? But you're now taking work that a photographer captured yeah. without their permission to paint it. It's, so, yeah. It's like pop art. It's like pop art. It's like art that's not necessarily your own and you're not using your creativity to change it. Appropriation. Yeah. And appropriation can evolve into your own work if you change the context of what you're trying to do. Not copying it color by color. Pose by pose. What do you think about artists who um, create pieces outside of their culture that mimics other cultures? Um, give me an example because... Let's say uh, an artist, European artist from Germany or whatever creates art that's similar to um, a Nigerian artist? Well, that's obviously a no-no. But if you were to think about that and or use, for instance, an African-American, right? Right. Who uses heavily Ankara fabrics or Kente fabrics and African fabrics in their work, does that mean that they're appropriating from a ne negative perspective or are they allowed to do those things? It, it, de it depends on the context. I think it's, I think it's a very thin line because we are akin in certain aspects. Like, we are very similar. We may have similar struggles, similar backgrounds, or an echo of each other. But when I'm saying, like, a, a totally different culture just absorbs and, and mimics and copies your art and, and, and profit from it. It's wrong, but it's done a lot. There was, um, now that you mentioned that, a huge controversy about 10 years ago mm. where 
this, there was a, a very powerful painting, actually. It didn't look bad at all. But it was a painting of the open casting of Emmett Till. Mm. However, the, the artist that created it was a Caucasian woman. Mm-hmm. And people were up in arms, like, you don't get to profit off of our suffering. Because she's never experienced what it's like to lose a son, you know? Whereas everybody that's black in their family has lost someone from that type of violence. Yeah. And so there was this huge question surrounding, can you use something outside of your culture to profit or to make money from your artistry like where 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 do we draw the line was the question mm. they ended up it ended up making the art bezel but they ended up canceling her appearance or canceling her show something happened where they just took it out of the show mm. but there was this huge question like can is this allowed and why can't she not paint the the emma till story mm. if she too is is part of the american experience or part of the experience of everybody witnessing that history so with that being said, can someone who is not Palestinian create art about the suffering of Palestinian people in our current day as a sign of solidarity? But are we allowed to do that? Now, see, that's that's a tricky one as well, because mm-hmm. there should be awareness shown on, you know, plights of people all over the world to you know get the message out Mm -hmm. and to get more people involved and and riled up to hopefully um try to remedy the situation right but it's it's a sticky situation when i'll okay i'll put it in a different context let's say a white kid from upstate New York, like a rich part of upstate New York, wants to be a rapper and and, and join hip-hop and just immerse himself in the culture, but he raps about selling drugs, this, that, and the third, or killing somebody. Like, that's not his life. That's not his lifestyle, so he shouldn't. Of course, you can rap, but it's it's the content. Yeah, I, I get it completely what you're saying. Let's take race out of the context and think about a lot of the rappers that we have now Mm. who have never grown up in the hood and they talk about the same stuff. Right. Does that count? It's not. Is that allowed as a creative to tell stories? I think art should be authentic. Mm. It should be authentic. Otherwise, what's the purpose of it? That's why I feel like the idea of being an artist in this day and age is slightly oversaturated, but it's also over-exaggerated, right? Right. Where it's like people... I feel like creatives don't necessarily like the title of being singled out as an artist, Mm. but because sometimes things become trends and popular, those that don't innately... Like, don't innately have the feeling that they need art to survive... Yeah approach being an artist in a different light. I don't I, I I don't even know if I'm making sense. It's like it's, I don't have to show off that I'm an artist. It's tricky because I love when people embrace art, you know, mm-hmm. if you haven't painted before and you feel like 
you feel the need to express yourself in that way, of course, go ahead and do it. But you still have to be authentic, too. Absolutely. Of course, first, you'll start off mimicking other artists to, like, gain uh, the principles. The practice. The practice. Mm -hmm. But... After a while, you have to find your own voice and be your own voice if you want to take it to the next level or, you know, possibly show it, show it at a gallery or whatever if you become good enough. Mm. But it's still, a, the underlying thing is authentic, authenticity. You know what I mean? Maybe there's this idea that we think too hard about it. That's how I feel, right? Mm. If you create, then create and don't create barriers for yourself or other people as to what they can and cannot do or cannot say there is a fine line though i did feel a certain way when i saw the artist who was not of our race creating something so sensitive like painting emma till in an no. open casket no. however it's like sometimes i wonder if artists are given the freedom to express themselves why can't people express themselves in the way that they can or want to without being criticized for it? And what's the intention behind it? Is the right. intention to profit or to bring awareness? And, and, you know, that was the question, right? Why are you painting this person during this time? How does that relate to your experience? And what are you trying to say? Right. Right. It will, it's hard for a lot of us who experience that or know about the story of Emma Till to go to the gallery, see this thing that's being sold for maybe a million dollars or more off of somebody's pain and suffering, yeah, which was where, not a long time ago. And where does that profit go? If Where does if, that profit yeah. go? Are the proceeds going to the family of Emma Till? Any of that? Then what was the point, you know? Mm -hmm. But then again, like I'm just wondering... If art is a space where people can express themselves or do things, where do we draw the line? Should we draw the line? That's not my personal opinion. It's just a question I'm throwing out there. Like, do people get to, you know, use African fabric in their artwork if they're not of African descent? Can people talk about other people's experiences without having context or connection to it? And call it something that belongs to them, you know? Mm. Are we allowed to do those things as artists? Can we make things just because we want to make things without caring about what people think about what we're going to do? Mm. Does it need to have a message? What if you just want to paint it? Yeah, I like the last part because I, I think that all art does not necessarily need to have a specific message or secret meaning behind it, you know? It's the feeling. It's like the the rawest form of expression you know and i think another purpose of art is to express yourself and be authentic with who you are your art should be a reflection of you right yeah, or a reflection of society or how we fit in this vastness of of beautiful craziness Depends on what kind of artist you want to be. Right. I think there's senseless art, and I also believe that there's really mindful art. I think that there's different categories within art. Mm. There are certain things that we may not think literally that is art. Like, for example, 
adult entertainment is a form of art. Mm. And some of it is mostly senseless because it's not a real intimacy. Mm. It's a fantasy, right? But there's a lot of people that are drawn into experiencing or watching that or seeing that because it's art. Mm. It, it may not be factual, but there's something that we feel or gravitate towards mm. that's being sold. Um, the same for music. A lot of us may not agree with the messages that are in the song, but it makes us feel a certain way. Mm. So there's different categories for different forms of art, and there's different different feelings that we inherit when we experience that form of art. And I think that making art accessible and easy to digest is important as well because I was at a gallery show, um, you know, one time and this artist was telling me about their work and I had no idea what they were talking about. It was like, it was so deep. It was way deeper. or It just went over my head. So I'm like, for the average person, who wants to enjoy art as well or, you know, at least introduce themselves to art, just like make it translate so it's easy to understand, but still but still complex at the same time. I I somewhat agree and I also disagree. I think that the moment that art became institutionalized is the moment that we lost the value of just creating for the sake of creating mm. and not having something attached to it. Yes, I'm a narrative-based artist, but I don't expect somebody who likes to paint circles to have a story behind the circle. They just like circles. They maybe like the colors. Mm. They maybe res- or have a connection with the ocean and just want to do you know the different layers of sunset, sky, sand. And use those colors as inspiration. But I, I do feel like the moment that we created a word for that form of expression, things lose its value when you give it a definition. Mm. So art doesn't need a definition? Well, that, whatever what that. I'm saying. Um, I think that... It should be up to people's own interpretation. It should be up to the viewer to decide what it makes them feel. I can see that. And not necessarily have to attach it to an artist. An artist cannot be in the gallery. And we're just walking in the gallery. Mm. And we we don't have the presence of the artist to tell us what it means. But if we see something that we like. It's what we like. Who cares mm. what the artist thinks? A lot of the times people go to gallery and don't even read the artist statement. Mm. It's how That's it makes me. us feel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's how it makes us feel. The same with us scrolling on Instagram. Nobody's going to read your caption, but they'll see it and be like, wow. Mm-hmm. Or maybe first see your work and want to know more, depending on how attached you are to the artist or how attached you are to art, period. Some people may just want to feel something, and some people do want to deep dive into the information. Mm. Both are fine. I, I love all, all, all aspects of art, like reality itself, um, going outside and feeling the sun on your skin, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
watching the tree the the leaves from the trees fall during autumn and and blooming again during spring understanding that this reality has a lot of structure to it but a lot of randomness as well a lot of randomness and us art right everything i mean literally everything if you want to give it a definition is art and that's why I said the day we institutionized it, it lost its value. Mm. You can go outside. It's not in the gallery, but you have a view that is undescribable or a feeling that it's making you feel. Mm-hmm. We don't say, wow, that's art. We feel it and we experience it and then we're done with it. The same we should mm. feel with art. Like the moment that we give it a title, we have to put it on this pedestal. But everybody has access to art every single day. Should feel it. The art of love, the art of relationship, the art of conversation and communication. Communication is a form of art that a lot of people like Mm -hmm. because we're giving it more than more hype than it actually is. Open up your mouth and speak. Mm. It's not that hard, but we make it difficult. Everything is art. Everything is art. Every single thing. The way that we eat, the way that we carry ourselves, the way that we speak. Cooking is an art, too. Cooking is an art. Yeah. You can be a bad artist when it comes to cooking or a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's just up, and it's also up to interpretation. Some people have different taste buds compared to others, but it's not going to take away from what you experience from that cuisine that you're having that you like. But what's that secret sauce, though, (laughs) that makes art good for you? I wouldn't say... I wouldn't generalize it because art is uh, subjective, but Mm -hmm. what's that secret sauce that makes you, quote unquote, feel when you see a beautiful piece of art? I think it's up to the person. No, I'm talking about you specifically. So what is something that I, I gravitate towards when it comes to art? Yeah, like what's that feeling? What's that secret sauce? Joy. Mm. Inner joy, inner peace. A sense of understanding based off of what I view. Mm. A sense of calmness because it's like for that one moment I get to be still and present. Mm-hmm. And me meeting you is a form of art, for example, where it's like when we have a conversation or when we started the first conversation, I felt that sense of joy, the sense of peace. The same thing I would if I saw an artwork that I really love, mm-hmm. that excitement. Um, even if I'm looking at a piece that I really love. For example, one of the artists that I really love, and I love many of them, um, the first time that I saw a Gordon Parks or a Candy Wiley mm-hmm. in person and just stand there for a good 10 minutes just looking at the same image. Mm-hmm. Not even looking for a story, but just looking and feeling something. Mm-hmm. And then trying to dissect like what little things that I can see or hidden message that I might think that I see. Yeah. How, what do you feel? I feel um, a curiosity when I see like really good art. For example, if it's like a painting... And the painting leads my eye to several different places instead of just like one significant mm-hmm. point. I love art like that or when I'm um, 
looking at a portrait, a photograph by, you know, an, an artist that I admire, admire, and that same curiosity um, comes to mind. First on the technical side, I wonder what type of lighting this guy or, or mm-hmm. um, woman did or um, the complex uh, positioning of, of, of composition and, or if it's like a street photograph, I'm like, okay, this is a beautiful image, but what is this subject story? Mm-hmm. So I imagine... Their life story within a picture. Yeah. So not only am I looking at this picture, but I'm creating like it's like creating a, a universe in my head. Yeah. On that specific piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and I laugh because I I kind of do the same thing that you do. With, oh, what kind of light did he use? What kind of blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like. I know he used charcoal for that, or I know he used pencil. Like I, mm. I can tell, or not tell, and want to figure out what mm. they've used. You know, and that's that's always fascinating, and a learning moment. I think that's what I love as well with observing or really appreciating art in itself is that you get to learn something new, mm-hmm. just like you would if you were to travel, you were to travel or meet somebody new and learn something new. You mm-hmm. know, that's that excitement of gaining information just from experiencing a work of art. Or even listening to your favorite song and every time you find listen to it you you hear something new. Mm-hmm. You know, a hidden secret message within the message. Mm-hmm. I love that. Especially when it comes to like real lyrical rap, like early two thousands hip hop. Well, it doesn't even have to be real lyrical. Just, just the feeling behind the song that gets me going. I love, it. I love it. Any more thoughts? That's the only thought I got for you. All right, family. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and comment. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys later.